0: number one show on pop culture and politics this is the Michael Medved show
1: and another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth it is a great day when uh, just a couple of hours from now the Republicans are going to be standing up uh, with uh, Ron DeSantis in the center he still is achieving Uh, in polls, more consistent support in poll after poll after poll than Nikki Haley or Tim Scott or Vivek Ramaswamy or others who will be arranged with proximity to Ron DeSantis at the center of the seven candidates based upon how they are doing in polls. And before the uh, debate begins, it's scheduled to begin at uh, it's, it's 6 p.m. Pacific time. It's 9 p.m. Eastern time. And it should be available everywhere. It is being uh, broadcast uh, with the uh, Stuart Varney of Fox Business and, uh, and Dana Perino of Fox News. And uh, there should be fairly aggressive exchanges because I think that uh, a lot of... The uh, candidates are recognizing that they either develop some energy now that makes them a conceivable alternative to Donald Trump, or uh, the election is over before it began. Uh, meanwhile, before anybody gets ready to watch the uh, the the debate tonight. There is another must see uh, video event uh, that you can see for free anywhere on your computer. It's a streaming podcast, uh, a, a webinar uh, that my wife does from time to time on uh, the joy of marriage. Uh, they're actually going to be talking about. The real statistics of divorce and marriage, which are very often distorted, you can go see it at any point with uh, starring Dr. Diane Medved. Uh, that is coming up at um, 4 o'clock Pacific time, that's 7 p.m. East Coast time before the debates. And uh, it's uh, available if you just go to Barry Shore dot-com and then forward slash marriage it's Barry Shore one name uh, uh, you put it together as one name it's actually two names first name and a last name Barry Shore com forward slash marriage and I hope you'll join me in watching uh, my wife in action Uh, meanwhile when you speak about action There's been a lot of focus on uh, Gavin Newsom, and for somebody who says he's not running for president, uh, I do believe that the thought has occurred to him, and probably not just once, and not just in a passing way, that uh, Joe Biden is not going to end up running. Not when 70 percent of Democrats say they don't want him to be the candidate. And uh, meanwhile, Gavin Newsom has agreed to do a debate, which is coming up in a couple of months, uh, with uh, Ron DeSantis. And I think there is more chance that uh, Gavin Newsom will be the nominee of his party than Ron DeSantis would be the nominee of the Republican Party. Uh, His campaign is having a tough time. But one of the things that Newsom has been involved with is a uh, very – controversial, attention-getting, and maybe, just maybe, promising new approach to the homeless disaster, the homeless apocalypse that they have in the state of California. This was covered by 60 Minutes by reporter uh, Aliza Chassan. Uh, Listen.
2: On any given night, more than 170,000 people are living on California's streets or in its shelters. It's the largest homeless population in the country, fueled by a lack of affordable housing and the state's failure to provide adequate mental health care. One in four has a serious mental illness. It's a crisis that's bred fear in communities as violent crimes rise. And this past week, Sacramento's top prosecutor sued California's capital city for allowing it to, quote, collapse into chaos.
1: And uh, we had covered that suit against the city of Sacramento. Uh, Now there's a new care court program, a controversial costly initiative set to launch in eight California counties before December. And then after that, it's supposed to go statewide. Uh, Under the program, judges will be able to order people with untreated psychotic disorders, such as schizophrenia, to get help. And this is something that has been profoundly lacking, because right now it's very tough to put people into care if they don't want it. And people who are very deeply ill, living on the streets, delusional in many cases, uh, deeply psychotic in many, many cases. It's very difficult to get those people to, uh, receive help without some level of compulsion. And that is what Governor Newsom recognizes, or at least begins to listen. That's the landscape
2: Governor Gavin Newsom says he's trying to change, starting this fall with a controversial new plan on track to cost billions. It's called Care Court because it brings mental health care into the courtroom. Now, judges will order people to get help and counties to provide it under a new law that emphasizes accountability and consequences. We met with Governor Newsom and found him to be fired up and fed up.
3: Change has its enemies. I get it. But one thing you cannot argue for with all due respect to all the critics out there is the status quo. You can't. And in the absence
1: of alternatives, What the hell are we going to do to address this crisis? And he begins to answer that question.
2: You've used words like, you're outraged, you're disgusted by what's happening on the streets. I am,
3: because I see what everybody else sees. I try to walk my kids to the park and have a difficult time navigating the sidewalk. It's a fail-first system, not a care-first system, which means you have to end up in the criminal justice system before finally someone provides support and a bed and a solution we've got to change that and that's what we're doing
1: and how does the program work listen here's how it will work a person referred to care
2: court for a severe mental illness is evaluated if they have an untreated psychotic disorder like schizophrenia a judge can order a mental health treatment plan including medication therapy and a place to live the governor believes the new civil court system will help thousands get off the streets and make everyone safer by helping people before they become a danger to themselves or others. You think care court could be the solution that could save someone's life?
3: I don't think that I know it. It's very familiar what we're doing, even though it's novel and new and bold.
2: Novel, new, and bold. So it's an experiment?
3: No, it's not. When people get their meds, when people get support, we know we can turn people's lives around this is eminently solvable
1: okay this could he be perhaps uh, overly optimistic we will cover more under this program it does give judges the power to order people with untreated psychotic disorders such as schizophrenia to get help and it requires counties to provide the aid uh, Anita Fisher sees it as a possible lifeline for people like her son, Pharaoh Degree, who was diagnosed with schizophrenia while serving in the Army 22 years ago. He's now 45, and he said that living with the illness can be difficult. Constant overthinking, he said, describing how difficult experiencing schizophrenia can be when it's untreated. Your brain is always racing, your inner voice is always talking, racing, racing, no peace never any solace and peace so will they find some peace with this new program in california and what about president trump's reaction to the summary judgment by a judge yesterday saying he'd been committing fraud for a generation we'll get to that and more coming up on the medved show one 800
0: 1776 the michael medved show
1: And on the uh, Michael Medved Show, uh, talking about this new uh, care court uh, program in California that is supposed to do something about the close to 200,000 people who live on the streets and in the parks and on sidewalks uh, throughout the state of California, particularly in the major cities, but also even in secondary cities like Sacramento where the uh, the city has been sued for tolerating uh, a, a homeless plague that is uh, completely beyond control. Uh, now the governor of California, Gavin Newsom, has been uh, identified with a, a new program that is going to – Uh, allow the state in the presence and the person of judges to actually compel people if necessary to receive some of the psychiatric care they need this was subject on 60 minutes uh, with reporter Aliza Chassan uh, actually interrogating to some extent Governor Gavin Newsom Uh, the big question What if somebody refuses the care that they need? Listen.
2: But what if someone ordered by a judge to get help doesn't think they need it? They'll have access to a public defender and can refuse treatment. They won't be sent to jail. But there is a catch. If someone in care court does refuse, a judge could refer them for conservatorship, an extreme outcome that strips them of rights and forces them to comply with treatment. Supporters back care court because the new law allows families and others like law enforcement and first responders to petition a court to help them get someone into treatment.
1: Okay, and uh, of course, this is uh, controversial. There's plenty of opposition uh, from the ACLU and elsewhere. Listen. Last year, the care act sailed through the
2: state legislature with near unanimous and bipartisan support. It's the humane thing to do, but opponents point to the threat of conservatorship, where people can be locked up and treated without their consent. And more than 50 advocacy groups condemn care court as a costly mistake likely to do real harm. Some of the words that have been used to describe care court: coercive, backwards, harmful. Are any of those fair? <laughs> you laugh. Uh, I laugh. I,
3: I, I don't laugh dismissively. Those are talking points that have been on Rewind for decades and decades and I'm frankly exhausted by them.
1: And that's Governor Newsom again. And uh, then he was asked, uh, is this political? And what if this new program doesn't work? And by the way, I'm skeptical of it, obviously it's a serious attempt, but it's a real question about how effective it, it will be. Uh, here's Governor Newsom again. Listen. Part of this,
2: that voters are so fed up with what they see on the streets of their cities, that as a politician, you've got to clean up those streets? Yeah, well, that's generally the case, but that's not the inspiration for CARE Court. But is there a political factor in this for you?
3: As an electoral strategy, I'm turned out. That's not the issue. The politics here is compassion. The politics is purpose.
2: What happens if CARE Court doesn't work? Then we learn from it
3: biggest risk that we don't take one
1: okay um, uh, by the way he said he's termed out that's because they have a term limits in California it's unlike the state of Washington where we're just finishing our third term of governor Inslee they limit governors in California to two terms to eight years and Gavin Newsom is um, approaching that uh, he he was also approached with a question from CNN, and this today with another magnificent new effort by Kamala Harris. Uh, She has been appointed by President Biden to lead the new federal office, just what we need, of gun violence prevention. We will get to more of that. But Gavin Newsom was asked very directly on CNN, with all of the talk about him being a possible replacement for Biden uh, as a presidential candidate for the Democrats. Uh, he was asked about Kamala Harris as the best choice to be Joe Biden's vice president. Uh, here's what that exchange sounded like on here's CNN. Listen,
4: Nancy Pelosi, she heaped praise on Kamala Harris, but she declined to say whether or not she thought that the vice president is the best person to be on the ticket with Joe Biden in 2024 do you? Of course she is. The
3: Biden-Harris administration masterclass in terms of performance. Bipartisan deals on infrastructure, bipartisan deals on guns and debt ceiling on the chips and science. She's
2: the best choice.
3: I mean by definition if I think this administration last two and and a half years has been one of the most outstanding administrations in the last few decades and she's a member of that administration she gets to lay and claim credit to a lot of that success. The answer is absolutely
1: okay a lot of that success a master class in terms of performance how does this sound uh this from politico gun safety activists have called for the creation of such an office since the beginning of biden's term vice president kamala harris will lead a new federal office of gun violence prevention that's just what they need a new office President Joe Biden will formally announce the new office Friday during a Rose Garden ceremony where several advocates and lawmakers will have been invited to attend. Harris who has played a leading role in gun safety policy will oversee the new office according to a White House statement. Longtime Biden aide Stephanie Feldman who has worked on gun policy for more than a decade will serve as its director the new office of gun violence prevention will play a critical role in implementing president biden's and my efforts to reduce violence in the fullest extent under the law while also engaging and encouraging congressional leaders state and local leaders and advocates to come together to build upon the meaningful progress that we have made to save lives what meaningful progress to slave lives i mean really really? Uh, the, the idea that uh, this is going to reduce gun sales? What happens, especially with a big, new, highly publicized initiative like this, is it will probably increase gun sales uh, because it will spook current gun owners and uh lead people to believe that uh well if kamala harris is in in charge of this uh how is this going to work uh our promise to the american people in this we will not stop working to end the epidemic of gun violence in every community because we do not have a moment nor a life to spare the point is if you're trying to end violence aren't ultimately career criminals more dangerous than uh firearms because the firearms don't operate themselves uh we will be back on the medved show with the guns at the ready for the debate coming up tonight and we're gonna say the michael medved show we're not having that we're not playing that one 800
0: the michael medved show
1: Michael Medvedjo talking about the brand new office of uh, gun safety that will be led by Kamala Harris. Now, she's already been upstaged a little bit by Gavin Newsom, who uh, is sounding, as I said, despite the fact that he has all those wonderful things to say about the team of Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. he's sounding an awful lot like a presidential candidate. Uh, Hours ago, he uh, signed uh, two new laws regulating uh, guns in California. The laws prohibit people from carrying firearms in most public places, and it doubles the taxes on guns and ammunition sold in the state. Uh, The federal government currently taxes gun and ammunition sales at a rate of 10 percent or 11 percent. The new law in California adds uh, another 11 percent tax to sales. That means a total of uh, 22 percent taxes on sales of guns and ammunition. It makes California the only state with a separate tax on uh, guns and ammunition, and uh, again, I I would assume that with uh, literally millions of gun owners in California, I know the the estimate is that there are at, at least ten million uh, gun owners in the state of California. Um, they're they're not going to view this popularly, and uh, depending on when that new taxes goes into practice, there will probably be another surge in gun purchases. Uh, Meanwhile, uh, there is a a sense tonight that uh, the people on the stage may be gunning for, you'll pardon the expression, uh, Donald Trump in a way that they haven't before. Ron DeSantis, who had been running a campaign that uh, a lot of people described as Trump light, uh, is now actually taken off and uh, taken off some gloves and is talking with fairly direct criticism about the Trump record. Uh, here's what he had to say. In the context of saying that he thinks that Trump should have showed up and come and participated in the debate, this is clip fifteen.
0: Well, I think it's interesting, and he's not willing to stand on that stage. Uh, I think he owes it to all the voters to show up, defend his record, articulate what he would do uh, going forward, what he would, might do differently. And he's not willing to do that. Well, and well, I how think would the you voters have Adam? a right to hear from all the candidates. Well, but he's not been willing Adam, to step up Governor. and do it Um. Well, he should step up to the plate and then we'll do it. I mean, I think we can talk about um, a lot of the things. He's running in 2024 on a lot of the same promises he ran on in 2016 and didn't deliver on. He said he was going to drain the swamp. They didn't drain the swamp at all. He still defends hiring Christopher Ray. He didn't fire Ray. He didn't fire Fauci. He said Mexico was going to pay for the border wall. That didn't happen. They started the wall, but we've got a lot more to be able to do to finish the wall. He said he was going to eliminate the national debt. Uh, they added almost $8 trillion to the debt in four years. And then remember, he promised to appoint a special counsel for Hillary Clinton. Then after the election, two weeks later, He's like, oh, no, forget about it. That's what you say before the election. That you-
1: OK, and uh, that's a fairly sharp criticism from Ron DeSantis. Mike Pence, another former ally, running mate, in fact, of uh, Donald Trump, uh, also expressed uh, the desire that uh, President Trump had shown up and uh, turned up on that debate stage tonight, uh, clip 12.
3: Donald Trump today is different uh, than the Donald Trump of 2016, and you bet. I think he ought to be on that debate stage. He ought to be engaging all of us that are vying for this nomination.
1: Okay, and uh, he's busy, President Trump. He he apparently now has posted more than 50 posts on Truth Social attacking uh, the New York Attorney General and Judge Egaron of uh, New York, who... um, basically did a summary judgment saying that the fraud company had been committing fraud uh, for more than a generation by grossly exaggerating uh, its uh, wealth and resources. Uh, And speaking of uh, people attacking one another, there's also the idea that uh, DeSantis, Uh, may go after somebody else on the debate tonight. This is uh, Governor DeSantis on Fox News uh, clip 8.
0: And you know Nikki attacked me uh, for standing up for the kids of Florida and she sided with Disney when we had the big fight over parents rights in education. We took the position that you shouldn't sexualize curriculum in elementary school. Disney fought us, they tried to stop the bill, then they tried to get the bill repealed afterwards and we stood strong against the most powerful company in our state. I think she's indicated she would have bent the knee in that situation, uh, and I think that's been more indicative of her approach, but that approach is a dead end. And guess what, Laura? I took all the flack from the media for so long, and here we are, our kids are protected, Disney doesn't have any more special tax breaks, and we're just humming along, doing great. It shows you, if you're willing to stand strong and hold your ground, you can win these fights. I'll be the only guy on that stage tomorrow night who's actually dug in, fought these big fights, and delivered big victories.
1: Okay, it's, it's wrong to say that uh, Nikki Haley sided with Disney. Uh, what she did do is she criticized DeSantis for getting into this feud with a corporation, a private corporation, that was expressing its point of view and that happened to differ with him. But I am fairly certain that she has not criticized the what they call in Florida uh, people on the other side or critics of the bill, the don't say gay bill. Uh, that uh, the idea that uh, she is somehow <laughs> allied with Disney, uh, most people in the country, it seems to me, um, really aren't eager to to choose between Ron DeSantis and a company that exists to uh with theme parks where they've had a great success recently and other forms of entertainment uh meanwhile Jake Tapper uh pushed uh, Cassidy Hutchinson former White House aide who has a new book out called enough uh to answer a crucial question which is why did Trump Want to go personally, uh, leading the demonstrators to the Capitol building. Uh, listen, this is clip 16. What did he want to do at the Capitol?
4: You know, I I can't speculate. I heard several things. You can't speculate. Items. You you
3: have you have more information. I, I, but I, know I, but I
4: could but that wouldn't be responsible because I, I definitively I don't know what he wanted. But
3: what, to do what like what are some ideas? What I
4: what I would know that is he. There was a reason that he wanted to go to the Capitol. There was a reason he wanted to be with his supporters. And Donald Trump also knows the impact that his words have. And he knows the impact that his presence has on his supporters. He knows that he himself riles people up. He knew that the crowd was armed that day. He knew that there were people angry about this. So I, knowing Donald Trump, knowing what I knew inside the White House, that was not a mistake. He did not want to just go to the Capitol, to go there and make a little speech and then go back to the White House was isn't a reason that he wanted to go there. And again, I would like to restate that Donald Trump knows the impact of his words. So when he, on January 6th, when he wanted to go to the Capitol, everything, like, that was intentional. The Mark Milley tweet that you earlier mentioned from this past weekend, he knows the impact that those words will have. He knows that people will come out and be violent against these people. Yeah. And that's what he wants.
1: Yeah. Which is extraordinary. He said that uh, Mark Milley, He's also said the same thing about the executives at MSNBC, that they have committed treason and they deserve the death penalty. And uh, uh, Cassidy Hutchinson is saying that that will have the impact on inspiring people to commit violence. I think no one can know that, and one can only pray that that is not the case. But there will be a new candidate for president, apparently, running uh, with the Libertarian Party, somebody who has a great deal of familiarity with uh, presidential campaigning. Who are we talking about? Join your champions for free market reform in Washington State. And on the Michael Medved Show, what Cassidy Hutchinson was talking about was a post on social media, on Truth Social, that President Trump put up uh, about uh, General Mark Milley, four star general, someone who's given his whole life to the country. He was chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff. Uh, president Trump wrote, This guy turned out to be a woke train wreck who, if the fake news reporting is correct, was actually dealing with China to give them a heads up on the thinking of the President of the United States. Uh, this is. Is an act so egregious, wrote the former president, that in times gone by, the punishment would have been death. And death, capital D-E-A-T-H, exclamation point. Not so entirely responsible, is it? And uh, then he, um, as the Wall Street Journal points out, he made a campaign pledge to abridge the First Amendment. He wrote on Truth Social, Comcast, with its one side and vicious coverage by MN- NBC News and in particular MSNBC, often and incorrectly referred to as MSDNC, Democrat National Committee, should be investigated for its country-threatening treason. I say up front openly and proudly that when I win the presidency of the United States, they and others of the lamestream media will be thoroughly scrutinized for their knowingly dishonest and corrupt coverage. Well, again, he, he has already said that he thinks treason should be punishable by death, as in times gone by, and he talks about country threatening treason by NBC. Uh, this is This is all going to make it incredibly bizarre if um, what the New York Times is reporting about Robert Kennedy jr. is true Uh, for months they write Robert F Kennedy jr. has said he plans to continue his long-shot challenge against President Biden in the Democratic primary rather than dropping out to launch a third-party bid but lately mr. Kennedy's message has seemed to shift including publicly telling a voter who asked about his plans that he was keeping his options open. If Mr. Kennedy does decide to leave the party of his famous father and uncles to run in the general election, one potential landing spot may be the Libertarian Party, which at the moment lacks a widely known candidate but has excelled in securing ballot access in July Mr. Kennedy met privately with Angela McArdle, the chair of the Libertarian Party, at a conference they were both attending in Memphis, a meeting that has not previously been reported. He emphasized that he was committed to running as a Democrat, but said that he considered himself very libertarian, Ms. McCardle said in an interview, adding that they agreed on several positions, including the threat of Deep State, the need for populist messaging we're aligned on a lot of issues. My perspective is that we're going to stay in touch in this case. Uh, he does decide to run, Miss McCardle said, and he can contact me at any time if that's the case. Uh, most, recent, most recently, Mr. Kennedy has uh, seemed to hint that everything could change. In response to a South Carolina voters question, Uh, this month about whether he would launch an independent bid, Mr. Kennedy said the DNC is trying to make sure that I can't participate at all in the political process so I'm going to keep all my options open that according to ABC News. In the Democratic primary, Mr. Kennedy is trailing Mr. Biden by roughly 50 points according to uh, 538's national polling average And his bid against the incumbent president is not seen as competitive. He has argued that Mr. Biden's allies at the Democratic National Committee are trying to squeeze him out of the race, including by moving to hold the party's first primary in the Biden-friendly state of South Carolina. Uh, If by that time uh, Biden has moved over to the Libertarian Party, it would... uh, Uh, Did I say Biden? No, it's no Biden's not moving the Libertarian Party. It's Robert F. Kennedy, who is talking uh, about moving there. Um, And uh, again, with the uh, Democrats being so deeply uh, concerned about what a third party would do, uh, certainly a party with no labels, what about the libertarians? They point out in this article in the Times that last time Gary Johnson uh, was the libertarian candidate, the former governor of New Mexico, pro pot governor of New Mexico, he ended up taking 3.3% of the vote, which was the highest total for any third or fourth or fifth party candidate since Ross Perot in 1996. Uh, he had uh, – Ross Perot had 8 percent in 1996. He had 18 percent in 1992. But anything like that, if Robert Kennedy took 3.3 percent, it would probably help in handling the election to uh, to Donald Trump because those are not votes that are largely going to be taken away from Trump. I don't think there are a lot of Trump supporters – who are considering Kennedy as a second choice? Uh, there is also, speaking of second choices, uh, we have reviewed yesterday the uh, the film Superpower, which is an important and moving film about uh, Ukraine. There's another true story that's out, but it's a true story. It's a true story about. Uh, One of the strangest scandals in Wall Street history. Do you remember the uh, uh, GameStop stock scandal? Uh, Dumb Money is the name of the film. Big cast. Listen.
0: Now it's time for MedVed's Entertainment Minute.
1: Paul Dano plays a young husband and father in Massachusetts who's struggling to make a living by commenting on the internet about the stock market. And then he hits on one stock that's going to change his life in the bizarre true story Dumb Money. I'm going to pick a stock and talk about why I think it's interesting.
3: Retail traders yeah. hooked into GameStop.
1: It looks like there's one guy driving all the buying. Well, the meow you heard there is because the real-life character Keith Gill was known as Roaring Kitty. And this often funny movie features a gifted cast, but you don't know much about these characters other than little subtitles that enumerate their personal net worth for people who don't understand or follow the stock market dumb money will be hard to follow or appreciate and like the strange story it's telling the plot drags on and on with a distinctly unsatisfying conclusion rated R for profligate use of the f-word and other harsh language two stars for dumb money where I'm selling short this time Especially given uh, Vincent D'Onofrio is in the cast, Pete Davidson is in the cast, uh, Shailene Woodley is in the cast, a lot of folks like that who are trying their best uh, in in a movie. Unless you're absolutely fascinated by the stock market, uh, in a in a movie that I think is going to have relatively limited appeal. Uh, Coming up next time on The Medved Show, uh, there's a piece from the left that says how libertarianism is a poison that's crept into America. Really, is that the problem? Is libertarianism somehow similar to populism or is there a contrast between them? We'll also be speaking with Jonathan Allen of NBC about the debate and who gains and who loses. Uh, He also has written about how Biden world is terrified of spoilers as third parties threaten to boost Trump. One of those third parties could be the Libertarians with Robert F. Kennedy uh, that we were talking about just now. And uh, Bill O'Reilly. has a a brand new book about a real witch hunt uh no really where they hunted for witches in the 1690s found a bunch of them and killed them uh the book is from uh killing the witches that's bill's most recent book he'll be joining us tomorrow and ab stoddard who has a new column on dysfunctional despair and donald about uh All the difficult challenges that uh, Joe Biden is facing with decidedly mixed success. We'll be speaking with her and more the day after the debate and maybe a day before we can avoid a shutdown for the sake of.